Hello and welcome to Opera Apero. I am Sophia. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest, one of my oldest, dearest friends, Tess. And we also have a very fun opera, very fun, empowering opera. Um, and it's called La Fanchula del West. Can you say that again for me, Sophia? La Fanchula del West. I'm an uncultured swine. I'm Tess. Nice to meet everybody. Um, <laughs> I'm very nervous about doing this episode, but I'm also very excited. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> so La Fanchula del West means uh, like the girl of the West. So this is an opera that's actually an American Western. Okay. Now that I know I'm ready for Fistful of Dollars. Gone opera. Yes. Which is also why I picked it for you because you have all those cowboy vibes I should be wearing a cowboy hat right now. How do we know each other? Oh, okay. Um, this is actually one of my like favorite moments because it was just like a collision of, of human beings, um, just like out of space. Oh, that's a line from Carol. But yeah, I was at a Wayfair summer party. I think it might have been my first one or my first time as like a full-time employee. And I was dancing, as I want to do, at these... Um, pretty ratchet um fun shindigs they towards the end of the evening they give out a bunch of free beer and you get a i think i had six I, I was dancing to some sexy like salsa song and then all of a sudden sophia is right there and she's like you're a good dancer and i was like you're a good dancer let's dance and then we danced and then <laughs> we became like platonic wives yes how many times do you meet someone on the dance floor and then like just become buds like truly buds. It was like, I, you must've like Skyped me or something the next, like following. I feel like you mm-hmm. made the follow-up move because Pisces, I'm aloof. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, that was wonderful. Goodbye. Like, <laughs> space. And you were like, Hey, what's up? And I was like, Oh shit. Cool. Let's hang out. And then we started a series of um, dates basically where we would go kvitch about our current boyfriends <laughs> and yeah. have good times. Yeah. And also I, kind of forgot this but you got you came with me to get my first tattoo oh my god i forgot i had almost forgotten about that too i feel like i just every time i think about you i think about sitting across like a dinner table with you mm-hmm. like that's just like my picture of you it's like yeah. us in a bar somewhere yeah like bar. we're either in a bar or eating or at a concert at a concert true yeah <laughs> i forgot the second question for a second <laughs> Have I uh, seen an opera? <laughs> <laughs> have you uh, have you ever been to an opera or seen an opera? No, I have not ever seen an opera. I have seen Wicked, which was what I would consider close at the time. Um, but I do listen to some on um, WGBH. I listen to classical radio Boston, and sometimes I have opera, and sometimes I like it. Sometimes I really don't. <laughs> Perhaps I'm in for a treat. I'd, maybe I've just been missing so much of what opera is because mostly it's just sung in another language that I don't understand and mm-hmm. I'm like a little bit dramatic. It's like anime for vocals. I'm ready. Okay. Okay, cool. Then let's get started. So this opera uh, was originally composed by uh, Giacomo Puccini. Uh, he's an Italian composer, very prolific composer, very like well-known. The Puccini. Okay. Um this one was first performed in 1910 at the Metropolitan Opera in New York City. And uh, the opera runs around like two-ish hours, two, two and a half. So let's get started. Uh, 
the opera takes place in Gold Rush, California. So mm. we're thinking like 1850s-ish time, late 1840s, uh, and it takes place in a miner's camp. Um, I should have dressed up for this. I feel like I have that outfit. I feel like that's part of my, my aesthetic, springtime, fall <laughs> aesthetic. Yeah, I mean, when I was thinking about it, I was like, fuck, I don't have a cowboy hat. So, act one, we're starting off in a polka saloon. We're in a real saloon. The miners, the gold miners enter after a long day of work. And we have a scene where everyone just kind of like is talking about different things that are going on. A traveling entertainer enters and sings this like fun song. He sings this song that causes one of the miners to actually just like break down and sob because he misses home so much. Um, And so then like all of the miners start a little like collection to help him go back home. I <laughs> I love this so far. It's very that's the <laughs> nicest group of miners slash cowboys I've ever heard of. It's like a union. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then so that's one part of this entrance scene. And then in another part, one of the they're all uh, they're also like they're off work, so they're playing games and they're playing card games. And one miner gets caught cheating, uh, and they're like gonna get into a big old fight. But then before they can do that. Uh, Sheriff Jack Rance steps in. I was going to say, it has to be a woman or the police. He, he like, calms the fighting down, but then he also, like, labels the player as, like, a cheat. So he just, like, marks him with, like, pin something to his, like, vest. So this is, like, our nice little entrance scene. And then a Wells Fargo agent um, (laughs) enters the saloon and brings news that a bandit named Ramirez and his crew have been spotted in the town surroundings. Uh-oh. So we all have to be on a high alert because Hold on to your purse. Miners. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, we might be losing some money soon because the bandits around. Yeehaw. <laughs> um, and so now there's uh, two miners approach the bartender whose name is Nick and they're basically saying like, Hey, like help us win favor with the owner of the saloon because the owner of the saloon is our main character, Minnie. Yes. Yes. I'm glad this is not a male centric story. Incredible. It's a woman owned business. (laughs) Happy women's history month. (laughs) 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 So, but so they're both in love with her um, and they're just like trying to get the bartender to like give them tips on how to gain her favor. Um, and one of them starts to get into a fight with the sheriff. And also the sheriff is also in love with her. Who isn't in love with Miss Minnie? She's pretty much the only woman in the town. So they're all in love with her. <laughs> Well, I, actually, let me take that a step back. She's the only, like, white woman. True, but it's men we're talking about, so I understand why they're all fussed up about Miss Minnie. First of all, I bet Miss Minnie's bad, so I can't wait to meet her. Okay, that's great, because now is when she makes her grand entrance. Before they can get into a fight over, like, who deserves her, who should have her, or whatever, she enters and she fires out a shot into the saloon. Smart woman. 
and she like shuts down the fight and then she uh, welcomes all everyone into the like establishment and then um she also does like her little like, community service where she reads the bible to the miners that's very nice she's probably the only literate person in town too yeah and they're all now s- completely soothed and Again, it's a saloon. It's hustle and bustle. We got a lot of people coming and going. So the next thing that happens is a Pony Express rider enters. Oh, my God. More news. Yeah. He's delivering mail. But also, he has a telegram or a letter, I don't know, uh, from Nina, the former lover slash accomplice of Ramirez. And it says that she's willing to give away his like location and information. She's down to snitch for a little bit of money. Yeah. Yeah, she's just like, he's left me. Fuck him. We're gonna. I know where his, I know where his treasure's at. Okay, <laughs> yeah. go for her. Um, so the Wells Fargo agent, whose name is Ashby, is like amazing, and he like goes off and tries to find Nina. It's it's a bar, so there's always a little a lot of little different scenes. So it has to show linearly so that everyone understands what's going on, but like. I, I would kind of imagine that a lot of things are all happening at the same time. Simultaneously. So, it's hustle and bustle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like you're talking to someone in that corner, talking to someone in the other corner, every, a lot of things going like on. Like me at Cleary's any regular night. Yeah. It's just a blur. Yeah. Of- <laughs> a lot of conversations. <laughs> a lot of conversations. A lot of plans made that will not be followed up on. <laughs> now we have a scene where um, Rance confesses his love for Minnie to her. And he's like, I love you so much and I want to marry you. Um, Perfect. It's going to work. <laughs> she kind of waves him off in like this way that I really truly love because it's not a direct no. Uh, she sings an aria. <laughs> Where she just starts talking about growing up in with her family and like they didn't have much, but she would see how her parents would sometimes like ble- be playful with each other, even during hard times. And she wants to have a like a relationship and a marriage where she also loves the other person back. So it's a soft no for Minnie on this one. She's basically like, you don't fit the mold, but I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to sing a song about my criteria, and you're going to realize you don't meet it. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like subtweeting it. I love it. So tactful. <laughs> um, and now, now that she's rejected him, a stranger enters the bar. <laughs> a hot stranger, I bet. He's so hot. <laughs> He's in all black. He has this long coat that just kind of like, what's the word? It like <laughs> flaps in the wind. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So he enters the bar. He heads to the, and then he heads to the counter and he orders a whiskey and a water. And Minnie actually recognizes him. And she's like, this is a, a man I met on the highway once. And always hoped I would see again. He introduces himself as Dick Johnson. You have to be kidding me. Is this a porn opera? No. This one, that's a that's a porn opera name. Dick Johnson yeah. comes in there. <laughs> um, so they kind of like, they all like kind of talk and chat with each other. Um, and they also like recognize each other. So then Ashby, our Wells Fargo agent, returns 
And in tow, he has another man. And this man is named Castro. He's a member of Ramirez's gang. And they're like manhandling him and kind of being like, give us information and trying to like. And Castro actually, he spots Johnson, who, if you didn't get it before this, is actually Ramirez. (laughs) Yeah, so he spots Johnson. And then he's like, all right, he agrees to the miners. He agrees to give them information on Ramirez's whereabouts mm-hmm. and fake information. Um, yeah, he's like, okay, fine, fine, fine. I'll like take you to where Ramirez is. We'll like go get him. And then secretly, he whispers to Johnson. He's like, hey, the rest of the gang is waiting outside the saloon. They're going to give you a signal, like a whistle or something. And that's like how they know to like come and like they can like come and get all the money. Sorry, I'm actually used to watching like real Western. So I'm like, okay, so they're just going to like kill everybody as they come out of the saloon. That's so smart. Sorry, I'm so dark. And into- <laughs> No, they're just trying to they're just trying to to, (laughs) yeah they just want the cash all right they just want the money yeah these guys are all very nice wow i feel like maybe i haven't watched enough westerns yeah they're pretty brutal like i thought they were only brutal to to indians no most westerns aren't about that not the good ones at least i don't watch those types of westerns but you watch like a fistful of dollars like literally everyone in town is just like some kind of like ruffian gang member and Clint Eastwood just shoots the shit out of them. And like, they shoot the hell out of each other. Like everyone dies or get shot. Wow. So basically then like Castro has given Johnson the information. Um, and then they like all the miners leave with Castro to go catch Ramirez. And then what that means is now until everyone knows that he's Ramirez, I'm going to keep calling him Johnson. That's better for continuity's sake. Yeah, I like that. So now Johnson and Minnie are together alone. He has to make a call. What's he going to do about Miss Minnie? Yeah. So they ha- start to have a love duet where they talk about, like, they're both kind of like smitten kitten with each other. <laughs> they're talking, and she's also talking about how she, like, loves her life, like, running the saloon and, like, being up in the mountains and, like, yeah, she just talks about how she's, like, really happy where she's at. But she also, like, they also talk about how they're kind of, like, into each other. And, like, they're flirting a little bit. And I have a quote from the, like, actual libretto that I really, I was, like, watching it today and catching up on it. Um, so she sings it. She goes, I can handle anyone who comes along. And he goes, even if all he wanted to steal was a kiss. Okay, these two are corny and perfect for each other. <laughs> corny and horny for each other. Um, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, so they're um they're singing about how they feel. Oh, also, I forgot to mention one thing. She mentions that she actually hasn't had her first kiss yet. What? Not even with a girl? Not even as gal pals? No first kiss. So basically, she's like flirt. You know, I haven't had my first kiss. I'm like kind of shy. Blah blah. blah. Kind of not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're singing about how they feel, and then suddenly the signal from the bandits is heard, 
and it causes Minnie and Nick, the bartender, who has since re-entered the saloon, uh, to like get riled up. They're like, "What was that?" Um, and they like get their guns, and Minnie's saying like, "Dick Johnson's there," and he's like the only other person there. Um, and so he's like, "What's going on?" And uh, she's just like, "Well, like." the miners actually keep all of their gold here in the saloon and we take turns protecting it. But now that they've all left and gone to find Ramirez, like I have to protect it alone. So she basically completely gives away the location of like all of the gold, all of the gold of the town to the bandit. Right. And she's just counting on, that little love song that they just shared to oh yeah at one point during this she's just like i feel like i can trust you (laughs) (laughs) and he's like that's like all right you sure can yeah yeah um so let's see what dick johnson is made of mm -hmm. let's see what kind of man he is Mm -hmm. so she says and she goes like someone would have to kill me to get through to this gold perfect so at this Johns so Johnson's kind of like kind of like impressed and probably a little turned on by her like commitment. Um what's, what's that like the kutzpa chutzpa? <laughs> yeah, you're like, wow, this person is like has a backbone. Like mm-hmm. also they like continue their love duet and she's just like, so I actually reside in a small cabin on the nearby mountain you should come by and we can actually just like converse. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I'll be a great conversation partner for you because I only have $30 worth of education, but I hope I can like please you. (laughs) Minnie, where's your backbone girl? This guy probably cannot read. (laughs) 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 Probably leaves ahead of his ass. So he accepts her invitation to the cabin and leaves the saloon. And that's the end of Act 1. So he makes the right choice right then and there. Yeah. So far. Yeah, he's he's very into her. Okay. They're, like, both really into each other. I love that. I've been on tons of hinge dates like that. <laughs> this is, yes. What I call your tender heart. Yes, it's easy for me to fall in love, even if it's the wrong person, and it takes me a couple of weeks to realize that. <laughs> Wait, I don't, this isn't going to work. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. I hope that's not the case for Minnie and Dick here. Get ready. Get ready, because we'll soon hear Dick Johnson saying those exact words. So, Act 2 opens. We are at Minnie's cabin. Her housemaid and her husband are arguing. I'm honestly confused why they have this scene in here because it doesn't really add anything to the plot. But it's supposed to be like comedic relief, like people be like, "Aha! I hate my wife." LOL. Yeah. Like, wait, actually, <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, like the the housemaid is arguing with her husband and then like Minnie comes home and it's just like husband has to leave because the housemaid needs to do X, Y, Z before like my special guest arrives. So she's pretty like ecstatic, you know, like those tingles before a first date. Oh God, yes. Yes. This she's is like, like what Minnie oh is on right now. She's <laughs> like, he's about to come over here. Also like. Her cabin, it's truly like a small cabin. It's like 
one room. Just think studio apartment. Yeah. You're like, here's the bed. Here's the kitchen. Here's a fireplace. And here's my chair that I spend all my time in when I'm not in my bed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm picturing it. I'm, I'm there. I'm with it. Yes. I'm, I'm also picturing, like, because she's in the mountains, like, some snow, like, whipping outside. Like, it's, like, starting to get dark, and it's, like, a little snowy. Okay, First. perfect. Perfect scene setting, because it is, in fact, snowing lightly. There mm-hmm. is some snow on the ground. I love that. Romantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So, she, like, her and the maid, they, like, clean and set up, and they get ready for Johnson's visit. Um. And then... She eventually like dismisses the maid. <laughs> she also like puts a Don't flower up, between, maid. huh? Don't wait up, maid. Yeah, she uh, puts a flower between her bosom. <laughs> All right, I personally haven't encountered that yet, but I'm excited for the date I go on where I discover <laughs> a flower between. <laughs> so Johnson arrives. And he enters the cabin and like they have like a little like drinking meal set up and um, they keep talking and singing about how much like they're into each other. Um, And they kind of like confess their love for each other. And Johnson just kind of like begging for a kiss. He's like, just just one little kiss. And they're kind of like dancing around. (laughs) And, you know, like as you're kind of like, working with someone and then like she's like no you'll crush my flower oh <laughs> it's like a metaphor for her little heart too a fresh spring heart well i mean most of getting into like a new relationship is so exciting you get those tingles because there's it's high risk you're like tapping into like this like crazy part of you that's like all right i really want to like put my mouth on that person's mouth but part of my heart is getting all fucked up on the inside like worried and stressed and excited right so i don't know i just feel like that's part of the fun of like dating new people is like the risk in it you're like oh like is it gonna be nice or is it gonna be like a mess am i gonna get my heart broken as somebody who's been through a lot of it and it's just kind of a romantic anyway like sometimes the heartbreak is also good I don't know. I just see her being like, I need to protect my little heart too. It's like, yes, I want to be like sweet and cute for you, but I'm fragile a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I wish I could be more like that. I think you are closer to that than you think. I don't think you're like some, what do you think you are? Like some cold stone or something? (laughs) (laughs) Sophia's got a rock between her bra and her... There's no flowers, just a rock. <laughs> but so they keep like going back and forth, and then eventually she's just like, fine, like kiss me. Like just lay it on me. It. And they have a kiss and it's magical. It's her first kiss. Um and then um and then he kind of is just like, oh my gosh, I think I should go. Like, this can never like I don't know what I was thinking. This could never work out. Um, because oh, status, no. Right in the moment, dude. Like you can't even like I'm gonna push you off my little mountainside villa here. <laughs> yeah. So he like starts to leave and she follows him out. And the snow, mm. there's a snowstorm setting in. 
And in the time that they've been in the cabin, she's just like, listen, like the snow has covered up all the trails. Like you can't possibly leave. It's destiny. (laughs) Baby, it's cold outside. Reversed. (laughs) Reverse cowgirl. Baby, it's cold outside. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sophia's mom. (laughs) I'm sorry for any nasty, rude things I say. Your daughter does not approve, or this is not a reflection of your daughter in any way, shape, or form. I'm a heathen, and she chooses to love me still because... She was a good person. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. So he can't go home because there's snow outside. Yeah. And so basically like his little, like, Oh my God, he kind of flipped out. Cause he was just like, well, this will never work out. Um, but basically like the snow setting in and her saying like, it let's just like stay it's destiny and whatever. This is like convinced him, and now he's like, okay, fine, I'll stay here and I'll like love you for the rest of my life. Very good idea. He's like, okay, actually, now that I've had one moment, yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so they go back inside, and she's like, don't worry, like you can take the bed. I'll like sleep on like some blankets on the floor by the fireplace. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, it's sweet. Like, I mean, I like. But also, if, she just writing, had her first kiss. I know. If, like, first of all, if I was writing the fan fiction, like, it's very true to character for her to be like, no, like, you're my guest, and like, I'm trying to like impress you, and like, I know you had to stay, and you don't really want to. Like, I get the game that she's playing here because he's gonna be like, no, like, you can just stay in the bed with me. Like, they're gonna end up in the same bed. Like, I read this fan fiction one shot many, many times. I've written it. <laughs> I know what's happening here. Go, Minnie. Very nice play. <laughs> Suddenly, Rance, Nick, the bartender, the other miner, a few of the other miners show up banging on Minnie's door. And um, so she hides Johnson in a closet in the in the cabin. And then they come in and they explain to her that Johnson is actually Ramirez. She's like thrown off. She's like, how do you know this? Like, how can you prove this? Um, she doesn't really like believe them. I know my Dick Johnson. I just met him this afternoon and we kissed and I know him. He's no Ramirez. Exactly. And um, they show her a photo of Dick Johnson. Who's re- they show her a photo of Ramirez, who's Dick Johnson. And here's the clincher for her that, of course, is going to emotionally destroy her. The photo was obtained from Nina. Mm-hmm. His wife. And they're like, we got it from Nina Ramirez's lover Minnie is broken she's just like they got it from his lover Mm -hmm. and not only did they get it from his lover but also he's Ramirez who is this man oh my god now this is like the movie charade this is incredible I've never seen that movie Sophia we have to do some movie nights this is the downsides of not living in the same city Mm mm-hmm so they they all leave once they've notified her of this important development she's gonna kill this man. <laughs> she like gets him out of the closet and she's just like you know she says nicer like opera e things but basically like a what like what the fuck uh are you how could you do this to me get the fuck out <laughs> tells him to leave no, she first asks a ton of questions um, and she like confronts him and he goes into this explanation and like kind of like defense of his lifestyle. 
where it's hard. It's hard out there. Yeah. Ramirez, he's probably been discriminated against by all the white coppers. Again, one of the things he says, he goes, his dad died six months ago and all he left their family was the gang of bandits. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so she, um, she promptly kicks him out of the cabin and is just like, no, you need to leave. He's going to die out there. And also she's like, she's kind of pissed because she's like, I gave you my first kiss. She did do that. Yeah. Did she throw the flower at his feet or what? No. No, she just kicks him out. But so he leaves. (laughs) She leaves. He leaves the cabin. Um, Mere seconds pass by and suddenly shots ring out. And... Then we hear like a thump against the cabin door and she opens it and it's Ramirez bleeding profusely. Nothing to make you love a man that you don't love, like watching him get shot. (laughs) (laughs) She helps him in and she's like, start trying to like help him not die. Um, uh, And then suddenly Sheriff Rance is banging on the door of the cabin. She's harboring a fugitive. Yeah, she's like, oh, shit. And so what she does is she, she, her cabin has, like, a little loft. So she brings down the stairs, like, mm. gets him up there, shuts it. Much harder to find in the loft than in, like, a closet or underneath the bed or something. I'm also picturing her, like, just picking him up like a potato sack and just, like, throwing him <laughs> with her, like, strong, like, farm girl. Strong, like, bar girl. <laughs> okay, I would, like, love to see an opera staging that has them do that. That would be amazing. <laughs> Carmen carries him <laughs> And so Rance comes in. He's just like, listen, I just shot this man. He can't be far. Like, he's definitely in here. Like, and Minnie's like, what do you, like, please, like, stop with this Ramirez nonsense. Like, I don't know anything. Like, you keep bothering me about it. He's uh, not here. I, I, I just simply don't know him. Yeah, like, why... Like, where would he be? Like, look around the studio apartment. Where would he be? Literally where? And so Rance just, like, frantically, like, looks around different parts of the cabin. And now he's, like, frustrated. He, like, can't find this guy that he just, like, just shot. And now this woman, who has, like, denied his affections, is there. And so he pivots. And he's just like, I love you. I want you. Like, and he tries to, like, kind of, like, start to assault her. And she, like, fights him off. I'm going to yeah. prove my toxic masculinity one way or the other, bitch. <laughs> You're going to see I'm an asshole. <laughs> Marry me. <laughs> yeah, actually. Okay. So as I was trying to, as I was writing my own notes for this, I get really frustrated because a lot of synopses like don't mention that he actually like does assault her. And so of course, like how you see it in an opera is dependent on how the actors portray it and how it's staged. But he literally, like, yeah, he tries to, like, assault her, and she, like, fights him off. Either, it depends, it's it's either, like, a broken bottle or a pistol. Oh, nice. Um, and, like, gets him off of her. And so um, she fights him off, and then he's just, like, fine, and he's decided that he's, like, about to leave. And then suddenly... He, he sees blood appear on his hand. And he's like, what? Why? Why is there blood on my hand? And 
she's just like, oh shit. And she's like, I think she's like, it's probably from when I just scratched you. And he's like, no, I'm not hurt. There's blood. And then he's like, and there's blood that's like dripping. There's blood on your shirt too. And then he's like, wait a, wait a second. Wait a minute. I just shot someone, didn't I? <laughs> I assaulted this young woman. She should have just been like, oh, it's just my menstrual rags upstairs. He would have left faster than fucking anything. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So he realizes that Ramirez is in the loft and he's like, get that guy down here. She's like, go, go. Pick up that potato sack that you just carried up there. Bring him down. Fireman carry him. She does. They like come down and Ramirez is lying on the floor unconscious. And Rance is just like, I'm going to like, I can either shoot him or we can hang him. Uh, And Minnie has this nice little like uh, brief like speech where she's just like, listen, Jack Rance, you're a gambler. Like, you come to my saloon and gamble. She's like, and then she goes, Ramirez, he's a bandit. And she's like, I own a saloon. I live off of whiskey and gold. We're all alike. Good. She got him. But fully. Like, he's probably a corrupt police officer anyway, who takes the gold from the bandits anyway, which is basically. I mean, he literally just tried to assault a woman. Of course, he's a corrupt police officer. Yeah, he's corrupt sheriff. Lord, she Minnie should have just shot his ass when he's like, Oh, why am I bleeding? Like, from this, <laughs> <laughs> um, so in and then Rance kind of calms down. He's like, And so Minnie is just like begging for Ramirez's life, and she's just like, You know what? And this isn't the first time this happens in an opera. She's like, I will marry you, and you can take Ramirez in. If you win the card game, this Perfect. like card game we play, it's like three rounds. She's like, if I win, Ramirez goes free and you can't take him in. And you absolutely go fuck yourself for the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, and so Rance agrees. Cause he's like, Oh, she'll marry me. Um, yeah. And so then secretly, Secretly, she hides some cards in her leg stockings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Feminine wiles, they call those. Sophia. And 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 so, um, long story short, she wins the card game. Rance is just like drat, uh, but he leaves. Oh, great! I was like, oh, he probably just is going to assault her again. <laughs> this doesn't change anything, actually. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> no, actually, card game rules are more important than women's like consent. So, like, oh, I lost fair and square. Got to honor <laughs> that code. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so Rance leaves, and then Minnie just kind of like has this little song where she's just like, and now Ramirez is free, and he's like, my and he, like my love is free. Um, and it's very beautiful. And then. That's the end of Act Two. He's still bleeding out on the floor. Yes. So, Act Three starts. We're in the future. How far in the future? Like 2021? Definitely not. We don't know how far in the future. Months, days, weeks, who knows? But we're in the future, and we're by a little campfire. And um, Ramirez has recently been captured, and... Who knows why he was free and walking about. 
I don't know. I'm like, what happened in that in-between time? Unclear. He's a bandit. Like the other guy's a gambler. He's a bandit. Bandits are going to bandit every time. (laughs) He's a bandit, yeah. So, um, and he's been captured by Rance, and so now he's about to be hung in the town square for his crimes. Mm -hmm. His many, many crimes. And this is the part where all the miners start to, like, complain about all the money he's stolen. And he's, like, springs in, and he's like, well, I... He's like, yes, I stole all your money, but I've never killed anyone. And they're all like, that's true, but you took Minnie's, like, affection and attention away from us. You scorned our one woman in town. (laughs) No, it's not even that. They're not even upset that he's, like, he scorned her. They're upset that her attention isn't on them instead of... Of course, the selfish thing. Yeah, okay, right. So, um... Yeah, they're like... So he's screwed. They're like, you stole, like, many away from us. And our money. Yeah. So he's just... But he's like, you know what? I've never killed anyone. Um, And they're like, nope, you're um, still gonna die. And so, knowing that he's about to die, he is... He asks the the miners for, like, this one last word and one last favor. He -hmm. says, make it quick, but don't tell many that I've died. Tell her that I escaped and that I went on to, like, find a different life. Like, just, like, don't let her think that I've, like, that I'm gone. Like, physically. That's um, an interesting strategy. I would have gone the other way. Just be like, um, tell me I love her, but that I'm dead and she should move on. Well, so I think his stra- I think the strategy here is, um, like, don't let her think I'm dead. Because if she knew I was dead, she would be devastated. Compared to, like, thinking you just, like, left her behind. Yeah. Men, again, I don't think they understand. <laughs> I don't think they're really thinking about her feelings. She's going to go on, like, being like, what if he comes back someday? Yeah. I've learned a clean break is always better. Hmm. I would tell people that I'm dead if I could sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine, but, like, dead to you. <laughs> so, like, yeah. <laughs> and like DNR, do not resuscitate this. Like thing. you cannot contact. <laughs> All the meanwhile, this has been happening. Nick has been there, and it's just, like once he sees Ramirez is about to like be captured and like put up on the thing, he's just like he tells the guy who's in charge of like the hanging and stuff to like take his time with it, and he goes off and like tries to find Minnie to like let her know what's happening. Cut back to the like. He's just asked them for this favor of like tell Minnie that I like have left and like gone off on my own life and but don't tell her I'm dead. Yeah, and then and then they're like, all right, all right, fine, let's kill you now. Um and they're about to kill him. And then suddenly Minnie enters and she's on a horse and she's waving a pistol in the air, owns the whole scene. She starts to beg the whole town to spare his life. And they're just like, no, he's like the bad guy, like no F him. Me. Yeah. And um I love her strategy. One by one, she like cashes in all of her like niceness. Like she's like, remember when I did this for you? Remember when I did this for you? Mm-hmm. Remember when I did this for remember you? Remember when I didn't tell your wife what you did last Sunday? <laughs> yeah. True. And um, one by one, they all start to be like, okay, I guess we can do this one thing for Minnie. Um, And so 
basically like the only person who's not convinced is Rance, the sheriff. He's just like King asshole. Yeah. Um, And so he's like at the end, he's like the only one who doesn't want to let Ramirez go. And so then the whole town is basically, no, we have to let him go. And so they untie him. Ramirez comes down, reunites with Minnie. And then they like, get onto the horse and they ride off in the sunset to start a new life somewhere else in California. Wow. That's really nice. They win. That's so great. Um, usually at the end of real cowboy movies too, like the romance works. Everyone dies, but the romance works sometimes. Oh, so I'm glad it worked out for them. Go mini. She probably should have just come in shooting though. I would have just shot the sheriff and been like, anyone of you who touches this man, I will kill. And I'll tell your wife how much you lost in gambling from your salary. (laughs) Lovely. Lovely. The girl of the West. Yes. La Fanchula del West. La Fanchula de la West. But it's nice. It was romantic. Is that how most operas are? No, this is actually a very unique. I mean, it's unique to me because I think it has a very like wholesome story and ending in that I think I think there's like points to be debated about the ending and that both of the care both um Minnie and Ramirez end up together Mm. but they also both have to leave yes so they both have to like they had to lose to love yeah like they have gained their love and their union but they're also losing their home like they're being in a way exiled Right, and he can't continue to be a bandit if he wants to be with Minnie unless Minnie's going to live that life, and it doesn't seem like he wants her to. Yeah, so I think it implies that he's going to, like, convert to a new lifestyle for her. Mm. They're um, both just going to run a, a new Possibly a lifestyle that he might actually be interested in because, you know, oh. he's only a bandit because his dad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, no, this opera is a little bit – it's a positive opera. And also, Puccini has like a has a bunch of operas that he's written, and operas focus on these like strong female characters that's focused around their development. So she like knows what she's about, mm-hmm. and I kind of I really liked your points about like the vulnerability that she's able to like meld the like strength of and the independent like businesswoman with the vulnerability when it comes to her personal romance and, but also like standing up for herself in the personal romance. Like when she finds out that he's abandoned, she's just like, explain yourself and then get out. Yeah. I, yeah. She like, listen, she collects all the information first and then she makes a choice based on how she feels, which I think is very important. She doesn't just take people's word for it. She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I can't listen to this right now. I'm very busy. My boyfriend is somebody else and he's bleeding upstairs, but I can't tell you that right now. Just get out. Get out. Like, we Please love leave. that. Yeah, I do. I really I appreciate Minnie very much as a business owner who was owning her own shit and was happy before she met him. Like, the fact that, like, she sings her first song and is like, I love my life. Everything Gucci. I'd be fine without a man. But, like, I am interested. Um, I was really impressed with your ability to just, like, call so many parts of this. You were like, yeah, like, the gun in the, like, stockings. I 
am all sometimes a little bit annoyed with that in me because it can make stuff less fun because I'm always like guessing like what's coming next instead of just like being in it and like listening for mm-hmm. what's next. Um, but yeah, I, I like that kind of thing. Like I love like some people like, Oh, that's a, such a trope or like, you know, this common thing. I just think it like makes storytelling like more powerful, right? Where like I can relate to this Italian opera about the West because like, you know, based on how stories are told and like symbolism and like classic dupes and like classic tricks that have been around since like, you know, Shakespeare and beyond that you're able to like enjoy these types of things and somewhat predict so that you can maybe enjoy the the scene that's happening a little bit more rather than being like, Oh, what's going to happen? Like what's, what's mm-hmm. happening now? Um, yeah. I'm not like psychic or anything. I've just seen enough movies and like read enough stuff where it's like, Oh, bet this happens. Right. It just like seems like it's going to happen. And it sometimes makes stuff more enjoyable. Cause then you can just be like, not so focused on it. Yeah. But that's like, no, that's just like being like well-read and like well-watched. That's, I mean, I think that's just as valuable as watching, as reading a lot of books. Like it's like what you're saying. There's all those like common like themes and like ways of telling stories. And so it's just as important to be well-watched. No, like I don't really read anything, but I love like more classic stories because I feel like, they've done it first a lot of times and it informs you like later, like you find out like all these other things that are like slightly influenced by that. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's fun. And it's, it's cool to just see like, yeah, the common threads of like romance is the same for pretty much everybody. Right. Like that, the flower in the chest, like, Oh, don't crush my delicate little thing. Like every young person goes through that, their first love. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that's very nice and precious. And I love storytelling for that reason. I guess I like operas for that reason now. Oh, yeah. I like, I don't know. I've said it before on this show, but I think that's like one of the things I like about the opera is that because it is so extreme in what it portrays, it like brings out all these emotions that are just like so easy to relate to. So it's like so easy to see yourself in these like characters of like, the like the person who like wasn't what they said they were but like you still like are kind of into them and aren't we all that though you know who the person you pretend to be the first time you meet somebody versus who you really are oh my god all the first dates i go on (laughs) you sometimes like like that's like something about like dating a lot like i don't love that i've had to date a lot but it has taught me something about myself where you get past the point, like, now I just, like, show up, like, very much kind of like me. Like, I still get a little nervous first, and I might groom up a little bit more, but I don't, like, try to cover stuff up anymore. I almost, like, air it out, like, in the beginning to, like, filter people through it, because it's, like, yeah, it, it's it's weird, because it is supernatural, like, the first time you meet somebody that you're, like, oh, like, I have to, like, be this. Then, like, I feel like that's why, like, a lot of, like, dates, like, fizzle out after, like, the first, like, two weeks to a month, because you, like, really uncover like oh no wait that's not who you are like <laughs> i thought you were like this and then like your behavior doesn't match that right like what you said you were like how you describe yourself in your little profile or on your first date or whatever like yeah. you have to match that behavior after yeah so i totally relate to dick johnson now i'm not mad that he's actually ramirez because we're all a little bit of both yeah i mean like it's very hard to be truthful when you first meet someone who you're interested in like they can't know all the bad parts about me i mean you have to know all the bad parts about yourself though too i think a lot of the reason why people tend to lie to new people is they've been lying to themselves to some degree uh you don't always catch yourself when you're you know 
not telling the truth. Sometimes we, we project what we want to be. I think it comes down to like, you know what society expects, um, potentially what this person expects if you have history with them. But you also know like for yourself. Like, um, sometimes like I get self-conscious about my laugh. So like I'll try like not to like laugh on the first date. And it's like, why <laughs> am I doing that, right? And it's because I know I get self-conscious about the way my laugh sounds because people have like said something like, oh, I always know it's you laughing because you laugh like you do. Yeah, everybody's got their own bandit hood. All right, folks, be yourself. You're great as you are, unless you're an asshole, and fix yourself. Go to therapy and find out who you are, and then be that person. Um, <laughs> all right, empowering female character. Yeah. The men all kind of suck. Except Dick Johnson seems all right, to be honest. Okay, what is redeeming about his char- his character? So Dick Johnson doesn't take advantage of her ever, really. He does try to be, like, a little bit, like, duplicitous and, like, coddle her and, like, hide things from her to some degree, but, like, to protect her, so to say. Um, But, like, most of the other men tried to use, like, their love for her to manipulate her or to to withhold something from her or to, like, to scorn her. Uh, for the current decisions that she's making for her own autonomy. Um, But Dick Johnson does not do that. In fact, he's one of the people who is, like, giving her the most amount of space. Um, And he has to get her forgiveness, right? Like, for for not being true to to who he is. But he doesn't harm her ever, right? Mm -hmm. Directly. And he doesn't try to. Um, Everything he does, he really thinks he's doing the best thing for her, even in his first, like, initial leaving of after they kiss, he thinks he's like, you know, if this isn't going to work, I'm going to get her into trouble. I'm going to get me into trouble. This isn't, this isn't right. Right. He's not just like, I've got my kiss. I'm fucking out of here. Right. Um, but he's also not trying to be like, Oh, I can lie to her and like get her to come along on these adventure, like adventures and like use her where every other man in town is basically using her while saying that they like and respect her and X, Y, Z. Oh, he's a bad boy. That's cool. Yeah. Also, I I just like love that like Puccini, this like Italian composer, was just writing an opera about the American West. He was like he just saw a play about it in the states, and that's cool. But uh, Italian cinema, like they love cowboy stuff. Like you've heard of spaghetti westerns, right? Yeah, but I thought it was spaghetti because like that's wait, wait. Wait, What's the spa- Wait, so I've heard Spaghetti Western, but I thought Spaghetti Western was like, oh, spaghetti is an easy-to-cook meal, or rather, or rather, like, spaghetti is something you can get in a can, and so it's very easy to just, like, buy it and make it, and that's why it's also, like, very cheap and Western. A spaghetti Western is a movie about the American Old West made cheaply in Europe, typically by an Italian producer and a director. <sighs> For example, we have the movie that I mentioned before, For a Few Dollars More, Fistful of Dollars, um, A Day of Anger. Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, one of the most prolific um, Western composers, right? Like, the people who do the music for it is an Italian. Hmm. I think we all just learned something. I think I, no, maybe not all of us, just me. (laughs) 
I mean, I second guessed myself for a moment there. So I confirmed some learning. Some learning was done today. (laughs) (laughs) So spaghetti Westerns really do refer to like Italians doing Western style stuff. Okay. That's really interesting. I mean, Italian cinema, like they were also like extremely progressive about it, right? Like actually most Westerns are based on, based on samurai movies, like from Japanese folklore and folktales. Um, like a, a fistful of dollars is a like shot for shot copy of a, of a Japanese movie. But yeah, like so much of that cinema is like the, the stories are like just archetypes. Um, and Italians love that kind of thing. Like they love the, uh, like, mm-hmm. um, like cheap drama movies, like they plays, they fucking love plays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, everything becomes a play. This is nice though. I like it. Okay. So, wait, hold on. Tess, mm-hmm. can you tell me overall, how do you feel about the opera? Overall, I enjoyed this opera. I had a, it was very visual without having to see it. And that might be a part of your storytelling, but also the storytelling of the opera might just be great. Um, I'm glad she got what she wanted at the end, that she got her love, um, that her flower did get a little bit crushed. Everyone's flower got a little crushed there, a little dusted up as you might so yeah, that's what I thought of. And she didn't want her to get her little virgin heart. But you can be a virgin on many levels, right? Like there's sexual virgin. But I think more specifically for her is that she was like an emotional virgin. She mm-hmm. never let anyone that close to her. So I really liked this this opera. I thought it was like it was a great western, and it was also what I imagine is a great opera. I would like to see it. Ten out of ten. Yeehaw. <laughs> It is. So thank you, Tess, for listening to me share this opera story with you. And thank you to for listening and joining us on this little uh, explanation discussion. Um, this has been Opera Apero. And um, share with a friend if you enjoyed it. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Ha, ha, ha.